While we patiently wait for the onslaught of 2024 releases to begin, we're going to look back 20 years to a classic gaming experience we've never talked about before. Welcome to the Thirsty Mage, the RPG podcast that consistently jumps backwards and forwards in time. This episode, we're traveling back to 2005, to a game that came out at the end of the Game Boy Advance life cycle, The Legend of Zelda The Minish Cap. Joining me this episode is an individual who could use a Minish Cap to find all the toys his kids have lost under the couch. It's Jordan Rudick. It's actually really funny. Every time every time we lift up the couch, like there, there's more toys under the couch than there is outside of the couch like on the on the shelf or in the boxes or anything like that so yes i definitely need a minish cap to try to find everything that we've lost over the years because inevitably we find cars like duplicates of of one hot wheels cars or monster trucks or something that we've bought before marbles or marble run pieces so yeah give me something that lets me find all those things so i don't have to buy them a second time that would be fantastic yeah i'm pretty sure we're gonna be finding lego pieces uh till the till the end days just under yeah. every random thing in the house. Yeah, Lego pieces are a good one too. The kids aren't super into Lego yet, but when, once we get there, oh, under the bed, yeah, under everything that has some kind of crevice or or, or nook or something, there's there's going to be Lego pieces too. I, I mean, my house was like that growing growing up as a kid, so it, it kind of just makes sense. But and then my son's old enough now that uh, we're we're trying to find Gundam pieces that he's dropped. Mm, yes, right. Uh, because oh, those would be even trickier. Yeah, they're itty bitty, and he dropped two in a row that were so small, like they were smaller than my fingernail, and they were clear yeah. at the same time. Oh no! Yeah. And it was a nightmare trying to find them. Uh, had the flashlight out, doing her best. We eventually found the two pieces, but uh, fifteen minutes of my life, I wish I had back. Yeah, no, definitely that makes sense. Yeah, so get, getting into to Minish Cap here today, Zelda game. We, I'm trying to think. Like, obviously, like we talked about Tears of the Kingdom, but th- we haven't covered uh, a lot of older games in a while like i feel like this it's it's nice to kind of be starting the year off by uh you know doing our classic thing of looking back at older games because i'm sure we would like to do more of that it's just been so tough to, <laughs> to dip back into the backlog with all these new games well especially last year it just seems like it was one big release after another so there's a doesn't leave much time to kind of go back in time no, and, and 2024, you know, it's going to be, it feels like at least the beginning of the year is much the same. I mean, it's it's a, a tr- triple header of uh, Infinite Wealth, uh, Persona 3 Reload, and, and Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Like, <laughs> we don't have a lot of breathing room for, uh, again, the, the kind of looking back we're hoping to do today. So I guess we're going to savor it while we can. Yeah, well, I was looking at the before... Before Christmas, I was looking at the schedule and thinking like, holy moly, there's going to be so many big games coming out mm-hmm. and and they're all coming out later. So I was like, ah, let's uh, I'll throw all these old stuff on my Christmas list. And uh, kind of the the uh, whole reason behind uh, playing the Minish Cap was I asked for a, a GBA SP, which I which I got from Santa. And uh, yeah, it was, you know, back in the day, I, I remember the time period like the gba i think came out 2001 i think the first gba came out and that was when uh, i had just purchased i was going to university for the first time Mm -hmm. and i had just purchased myself the biggest baddest laptop out there yeah of course and and i made sure that it was like you know back in the day they didn't really have gaming laptops per se but i made sure that the graphics card could handle as, as much gaming as it could take so so i was pretty well into PC gaming at that point. So uh, no GBA for me, no Nintendo DS for me, that whole uh, kind of decade of going to university and then graduating is kind of a blank spot for me because I, I just wasn't into the handheld games at that point. I had myself a pretty uh, high-end laptop, so it was uh, I, ha- I had my high-end graphics on the go. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're kind of in the same boat a little bit there. Like, I, I would have had a GBA... But I don't remember a ton of games that I would have played on it, like the Pokemon games for sure, uh, Fire Emblem. But uh, I, I, I never, I don't think I ever owned Minish Cap. My brother might have. We, we both would have had GBAs. But yeah, I, I might have been more into PC gaming at the time. Uh, this would be the 
GameCube era. And, and again, GameCube is a little bit of a blind spot for me as well. Like it just wasn't a console that I spent a ton of time with. So maybe you and I were both a little bit more into PC gaming around the time of, uh, I guess, this console generation where, where it's GameCube and, and GBA. Because uh, I, I, I wasn't super into Xbox or PS2 even. Again, we, we never had an Xbox. We did have a PS2. I think we got it later. And I don't remember playing a ton of games, at least in my house on PS2. We played, I, I would play sports games at my friend's house. But yeah, it's just a like a five to 10 year period of of maybe Nintendo games or even console games as a whole, where um, I, I would have missed out on a bunch of classic ones and Minish Cap among them. Mm-hmm. And even uh, looking back on, like now we're, we're kind of anticipating a new Switch coming out any day now. Uh, it's funny to look back on like the release schedule of, of when everything was coming out uh, because we had like the original uh, Game Boy Advance, uh, like I said, I believe it was in uh, 2001 when that one first came out. But then it was only uh, a few years later that you had uh, the SP come out mm-hmm. and then you yeah. had uh, a second model of the SP <laughs> come out with the, the AGS-101 with the uh, backlit display. Yeah, uh, the clamshell. Yeah, so that that actually came out around the same time as Minish Cap because it was all like there was there was a lot that came out in 2005 because <laughs> uh, Minish Cap came out in January 2005. The SP came out in September 2005. And mm. then the DS, I think, was I can't remember. It was definitely in 2005. I think it was oh here I got the that would have came out. Oh, it was uh, late 2004, actually. So Yeah. It's, the DS is so funny, though, and not, not to go too far off on a tangent on different consoles, but, the, I mean, the DS Fat was such a an odd kind of form factor that I think that it, it'll... And it, it could play... G, no, it couldn't play GBA games, right? Not till not till the light came out, I think, if, I, if I'm not mistaken about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. No, I so think you, right. you had you had, you had had a console, like a new, con- the new portable console come out that I don't know that it was heavily adopted until the revisions came out, right? The DS Fat was uh, just this weird kind of bulky, like behemoth of a, of a, 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 and I had one at launch actually, but I rarely used it. Like there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a ton of great games from the hop on the DS Fat. So it was a, for a lot of people, I think it was a good time to maybe get into GBA uh, games. And then it, what would be nice is if you did pick up a bunch in 2004, early 2005, uh, 2005, um, you'd be able to play them on your light uh, a year or two later. Well, and the other thing too is like even when the light came out, it would only play GBA games. It wouldn't play original Game Boy or Game Boy Color games, mm-hmm. which was a kind of another reason why I wanted uh, a GBA now is because I wanted to kind of get into some of the old Game Boy games. Like uh, one of the games I got for Christmas is uh, Link's Awakening, the original yeah. Game Boy cartridge. Nice. And I'm, going, uh, I'm about three quarters of the way through that game now too, and. Uh, you're just flying through these old games now. You, you've had a very productive holiday. <laughs> I know. I've been, I've been, all I've been doing is gaming because uh, uh, after Christmas, I went into a retro game store and discovered uh, Final Fantasy 20th Anniversary Edition for PSP. Mm-hmm. And I've been playing through that and I've already come across things that I've never seen before. So I thought that was quite interesting. I mean, this it is feels the least like... surprising story of 20, 2024 <laughs> is David playing Final Fantasy one again. You know, like yeah. we really were coming full circle once again with with the with that title. Yeah, I'm not as far into that one. I'm I'm right in front of the Marsh Cave. Um, I've been too scared to go in. You got to Yeah, you got to hype yourself up. I can understand that yeah. takes a little while. Well, it's a new version. I don't know how difficult it's going to be. I know it's going to mm. be difficult, but I just don't know how difficult. If you've so got your 99 it. potions, you're probably going to be okay. I, I saw uh, you, I'm did, gonna you, have you put to, a white yeah. mage on your team, at least, so that, that'll that help. Yep. Yeah, I got it. Well, somebody's got to drag the carcasses out of the cave mm-hmm. after we mm-hmm. get decimated by the wizard. So. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I guess uh, we'll get back on topic with the, the Minish Cap. So, uh, interesting game. Like, this was kind of the era when uh, Zelda games weren't being made by Nintendo. They were actually being made by kind of a joint Capcom-Nintendo uh, relationship, I guess. This was around the time, I guess. So, it's funny that the, the whole story is all these things going on around this time period are pretty interesting. So Capcom made a, a boatload of money with Street Fighter 2, billions of dollars. And uh, one of the uh, people behind it, uh, uh, Yoshiki Okamoto, I hope I pronounced that even somewhere close. 
you know, after after the success of Street Fighter 2, decided wanted to start his own company. Uh, so he started Flagship in 1997. And uh, this, the personnel and startup funds were actually provided by Capcom, Sega, and Nintendo. So basically, you know, these, these companies uh, gave, gave them money uh, to, to make games for their, you know, Sega had, uh, you know, they, there was a couple Dreamcast games there. Uh, Nintendo had them make, uh, you know, GBA games. Uh, there's a game. They actually did the uh, Resident Evil 4 uh, GameCube mm-hmm. um, port. The two or the two Oracle games on Game Boy Color as well. I guess that would be the I think that must have been the first Nintendo games that they worked on. Yeah. Yeah. Oracle Seasons, Oracle Ages mm-hmm. yeah, were their first for Game Boy Color. That was their first Nintendo ones. Uh, yeah. And then Link to the Past wasn't the, the and the Four Swords. Right. After yeah. That. I always I always forget about that one. And I, I, I did own that cartridge at some point. I mean, maybe we were talking about this just before we started recording about like the GBA being like a portable Super Nintendo. And there you go. Like it did have ports like that one. Right. Yeah. Well, and then, yeah, I remember the like Super Mario World was ported to GBA because I see that in retro game stores all the time. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it was just for me, uh, you know, turning on Minish Cap and then seeing the Capcom logo. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> you always think just the Zelda has always just been like this Nintendo thing. It's just surprising to think that they would have uh, passed on the, uh, you know, the torch to Capcom to, to make these games. But I mean, I guess Zelda had gotten so big by that time that the, the main team from Nintendo working on those games would have to be focusing exclusively on the console versions, right? Like the, uh, so wind waker, I think is a couple years before this, maybe 2002. Uh, and then twilight princess, you're going to, you're going to have two Zelda games on, on GameCube, which was, which is odd, right? To, to think of like two big Zelda games on, on the same platform, obviously, Twilight Princess would also release on Wii, but uh, GameCube still got two within its like when it's short, not super successful life cycle, right? So that's funny to mm-hmm. think. Uh, so it makes sense like you've got that that main team working on the console versions, and then but you still want to make portable ones because your teams are kind of split up. So farming it out to uh, I guess this, this new studio who who's already made a couple of Zelda games for you. To I I don't know how successful the Oracle games were, but at the very least, like they, they have some chops there. So. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, they had big shoes to fill after uh, Link's awakening too. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm pretty sure they came after what was, what year was uh, Stor- Oracle ages of 2001, 2001, I want to say. Yeah. Oh, so Link's awakening, I think was in night 98. I want to say. Oh, yeah, yeah, it, it was definitely before. And there were multiple versions of Link's Awakening, right? Like the, it came out and there was oh, the 93. The, yeah, it, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a while back. Yeah. And then they had the, the colored up version for um for Game Boy Color, too. Right. So, oh, that's the one that's why I was thinking yeah, of that. Yeah. 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 yeah and yeah, the, and that great game in its, in its own right, too. So, yeah. well, and there's like with the, the small Game Boy cartridges, I'm always amazed at what they were able to uh, jam pack into that that game. I mean, even with Minish Cap, I'd say the same thing. Like, I think it's a it's a very densely packed world. Like, it's it's kind of crazy how many how much side content there is, to, uh, items and things to collect. Like, it's a. I mean, we're going to get into it in more detail, but there's a lot of game here. If <laughs> a lot of hours yeah. you put into this game, if you want, if you want to mainline it, it's not it's not super long. But if you want to do all the extra stuff, like there's there's a ton here. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, let's uh, let's get into it then. The so the Minish Cap. Uh, I guess we'll just well, I guess I'll start by saying like we're going to be talking about the, the fine details here. So uh, please be warned, spoilers are plenty. Yeah, definitely more of a spoiler <laughs> cast. <here>. Yeah, <laughs> this, this is a, this, yeah, this is basically a spoiler this cast. So. 20, 20, 20, almost twenty year old game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're we're in fair territory to, mm-hmm. to talk about the details, but uh, yeah, so Minish Cap. Like, to me, it feels like kind of like it's funny. We're always talking about the timeline stuff, uh, which I don't personally buy because like this game doesn't feel like it, it, it feels it feels like a, a variant or in a multiverse of Zelda's or something, because uh, basically the story is, is that, you know, Hyrule was ravaged by uh, evil back in the day. And the, the Pecori, which is this race of like itty bitty uh, people, uh, 
basically gave this, and it's not even the Master Sword in this game, it's the Pori mm-hmm. Blade. And they don't call it the Triforce, they call it the Light Force. That's right. They uh, bestowed that to the people of Hyrule to uh, kind of expel the evil from the land. And I guess every hundred years, the the Bakori return. I don't know if it's necessarily to do anything. It, it, it's more just like they have the opportunity to converse with the Bakori every hundred years, I guess. Or there's a door between the worlds that, that opens every hundred years. Mm-hmm. And so it, it begins with... Uh, Link and Zelda, so they're they're kind of children in this game, I guess, like you know, ten, twelve, it seems. And uh, they begin with Z- Zelda knows Link. It's kind of a link to the past feel to it, where it, it Link's totally. house is kind of south of the castle. Uh, he lives with like the weapons master of the of the land. So the you know Link and his family, or Link and his, I can't remember if it was his grandfather. or his I think father. it's grandfather. I think That's yeah, what I thought. I, too, I, look, yeah. I looked it up because I saw in the notes you'd put son or grandson. I then I had to think about it, even though I was just literally just playing it last night. I, I think it's grandson though. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the so his grandfather is like the weapons maker for the king. So they're they're in with the royal family or whatever. And Zelda knows Link. So Zelda actually comes to, the game starts with Zelda coming to Link's house to be, say like, Oh, there's a festival and in Hyrule town, which they call it. <laughs> and uh, they're, so they, you know, they go through the festival or whatever, and then they head back to the castle and the main uh, antagonist of the game, Vati um, appears and uh, is looking for the light force uh, in order to kind of like, control the world i guess like he you know he's he's a sorcerer uh, and he he kind of recognizes zelda's potential of, of uh getting in his way so he turns yep. uh, zelda into stone and basically the the premise of the game is oh and he breaks the uh breaks the cory blade or i'm pretty sure Vadi's the one that it, it breaks anyway i can't remember if it's Vadi that breaks it or if it just was broken because of age or whatever but Link is kind of tasked with uh, fi- trying to discover where the Pecori are and uh, bringing the Pecori blade uh, back to its kind of full strength in order to stop Bati. It's it's using that that kind of trope or that kind of theming we see in other Zelda games where Zelda herself, the character, is kind of incapacitated very early on. And so a lot of the quest is to rescue her in some way, right? To like Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. Or or Link's Adventure. I always get that wrong. I think it's the Adventure Link. Good. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> First time. Well, you know what? I think they actually did another game called Link's Adventure. I think they I feel like they there was like a Oh, maybe mate might be making There's it so up. many like I, I thought they remade it slightly right? or so, something. And, uh, yeah. Well, Link's Awakening, right? So I think I think that's where I always get caught up. It's Link's Awakening and the Adventure of Link. At yeah. any rate, yeah, like Zelda's sleeping in that game, and so by the end of the game, you have to try to wake her up like that. That's part of that's part of Link's quest. Is that uh, he's, yes, he has to defeat Ganon, but he also has to um, uh, rescue Zelda. This is this is an interesting Zelda game because it's one, another one where Ganon is not the the main antagonist, right? It's someone else. I think, and I think Vati is a good villain. I think it is someone that you you do you see him early on. You see kind of the the evil deeds that he's doing or or the um, his pursuit of power and things like that. So you do feel compelled to kind of stop him. The game does a good job of like early on, kind of putting in cutscenes with Vati and and Eslo and. You, you see that kind of conflict between them. And so there's, there's not a ton of story to this game, but I think what there is is interesting. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like any Zelda story where it's like, there's kind of this over overlay of like, here's, here's the premise, but really it's just the adventure that you're on for the most part. And you got to sure. get some tidbits along the way. Yeah. In typical Zelda fashion, you're kind of making the, your own story, right? Like it is, yeah. it is Link's adventure and or the adventure of Link. And and that's that's you're kind of like just playing that out. So it, it is in a way your your own story, and you do get to you do get to name this this link character as well. I, and I think in a lot of the games you do, um, but I do just kind of re- I'm always uh, maybe torn about what what to name Link in a game like this. Like, do I just call him Link? Do I call him my name? Uh, do I you know do, do I just make up a funny name? Like, it's just odd to see a character that you know as Link called something else. So I, I often just I often just go with Link because I, I want him to be referred to Link because uh, that's who it is in my mind. Yeah, well, that's what I, I, I named it. It's funny because when you said that, I like I forgot I had the opportunity because, yeah, I just chose yeah. Link. 
and I know in uh, Link's Awakening, I'm doing everything in my power not to steal the bow uh, so that I won't be called Thief uh, throughout the game. But yeah, I guess the, the Minish Cap part of the game is uh, Link uh, basically discovers that the uh, Picori are in this forest in kind of the bottom right-hand uh, area of the map. So you head down there look, looking to figure out how to... Uh, make contact with Bakori and he, and Link comes across uh, Ezlo, uh, which in, in his first meeting, Ezlo is like this talking cap that's being attacked by, um, I can't, I can't remember if it's the things that spit out, uh, spit out the nuts, but he's basically being attacked by a couple enemies and you kind of defeat the enemies. And then Ezlo jumps on your head and, and, ba- and now you have like a cat, a talking cap. Yeah. That's your hat now. <laughs> yeah. He's just your hat. Which is basically, uh, Ezlo kind of works like, I would say, like the owl in previous games or like this kind of uh, uh, narration of like explaining things as they go along or you can hit a button to talk to Ezlo whenever you're lost in the game and not sure what to do next. And Ezlo will be like, well, you know, maybe we should go here sort of thing. So kind yeah, of like he does. He does a good job guide. of guiding you. Right. Or, mm-hmm. or, or leading you like he, he'll have like some funny quips after that, but he'll, he'll cycle through the dialogue and you'll get back to the, Oh, I think we were supposed to go here kind of hint, yeah. you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. He's very much like the Navi, like fairy kind of following around, giving you advice. Uh, yeah. Every Zelda game seems to have like, one of these characters now where um, they, they are meant to uh, just kind of shepherd you through the adventure, shepherd you through um, the different goals you have to, you have to accomplish. The funny thing is like, it's not, it's not a large world, but I think Eslo does a good job of not being super annoying, but, but being helpful enough to kind of uh, keep you on the, keep you on the main story uh, track. Yeah. I think one of the funniest animations in the game to me is uh, if you go back to your house with Eslo when you first enter the house, Ezlo's like, yeah, this is a nice house. Where, where will I sleep? And, <laughs> and so if, so anytime in the game, you can go, you can go back into your house, go upstairs and you can go into bed to regain your hearts. But it's the funniest animation because Link and Ezlo sleep next to each other. Right. And, yeah. and so when the sleeping kind of animation is done, Link takes the blanket off and he kind of looks over at Ezlo who's sleeping beside him. And Ezlo's not waking up, and Link has to like shake Ezlo. Yeah, yeah, that's to, funny. To, to to wake him up, uh, to put him on his head, and then to recontinue the adventure. And I, every time I do it, I just laugh because I'm like, yeah. it's just so funny. And the funny thing is, is there's two beds in the room, and yet mm. they still sleep in the same one. I don't know. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess the the grandfather must must sleep in the other one. Is that the idea, right? Because they're they're living together. Yeah, it must be. Well, yeah. there's the only the only the one bedroom, so I guess so. Yeah, it must be. Yeah. You know, just speaking of that, like something I added to the notes last night was this idea that, you know, Link, uh, the the character sprite on screen is very animated. And I think you do get a lot of personality from him in this game. Like, uh, obviously, like, Ezlo, you know, brings it out and he's the representative of, I guess, the narrator here in in some ways. But there's just a lot of times where I I noticed, like, yeah, they're kind of they're they're borrowing for the Wind Waker sprite. Which which they would do for um, the handhelds, kind of starting at this point, right? So Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks, they're all kind of using that Wind Waker uh, art, art style and and uh, Link uh, version of Link uh, in a way. But uh, yeah, no, I, I feel like there are a lot of times where uh, the expression is animated, or, or Link is like making sounds. You know, like, I, I'm thinking specifically about like the minecart in the second dungeon. Oh or, yeah, <laughs> just screaming like constantly, yeah. and his face is like you know it, it, it's kind of elongated, and he's his hair is kind of flowing a little bit, and hat's barely keeping on his head. Exactly, and it's just like yeah. wow, like this is a very you know animated, full of life version of Link that. Uh, just a, a nice contrast to some of the more subdued uh, characterizations of him. Yeah, well, that's the uh, just the the overall kind of look of the game took me by surprise because yeah, uh, it's very even for like the SP. It's a very colorful game. It's like yeah, totally. I don't know, just just going through everywhere, like everything seems very well designed. It, like you said, the the animations are good. Like all the movements are are neat. Like I love near the end of the game, one of the uh, final items you get is the it's like the rocks cape, I guess it is. Yeah. Right. Where like you're like jumping through things, and then there's like 
different levels of the screen where like you can jump up through grates to get to like this to these like catwalks i guess or whatever yeah yeah and you can kind of jump through them and it adds kind of the these the layers to the screen and i don't know just they, they did a I, I think they did a fantastic job and again these kind of late late in this in the life cycle games seem to really have figured out the systems that they're on because he's mm-hmm. like in this case it just feels like it's taking like full advantage of the gba for sure i mean yeah it's got to be one of the best looking game boy advance games out there I, I, again not not to get into the whole gba lineup or anything like that but yeah this one does you can you can tell like it's it's kind of at the end of the life cycle and they've really kind of squeezed probably every last drop of power they're going to get out of the console to do something that looks so good play so good all that stuff there's also i was just thinking about it a lot of links items or a bunch of links items in this game involved him kind of again animating in some complicated or interesting way right like the 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 mitts that allow him to dig right like when you're doing that action like it, it's it's link moving around a lot and that you mentioned the rock's cape you know kind of literally literally flying between he floors. looks like wolverine to me when he does the, oh the... yeah of course <laughs> how, how can you not think of yeah. uh, a wolverine there yeah but yeah it, it's it's not like um a game like Link to the past where all of the items like Link is kind of just throwing something or, or casting out like his wand to do a spell. There's not a ton of items there where he's actually doing an animation. Like I, I think there, there, there's basically there, there, there's obviously the connection between the two ocarinas in that game is, which is another um, point of comparison between them. You, they basically kind of do the same thing of, uh, you know, allowing for fast travel in the game. Um, there, there's there's lots of nods in this game to to previous Zelda games, which I which I appreciate. It does feel like a not not a send off to Zelda, but maybe a celebration of the games that had come before as well. Mm-hmm. And then the kind of uh, signature mechanic is is Link's ability to become a Pecori sized, which uh, again, uh, well, the animation of it happening is quite neat. So there's you know, there's these uh, jars that are spread throughout Hyrule and Link is able to kind of jump on the jar and then teleport or transform into this little Pecori character. And you would think like you're so small on the screen, like you, you can't really see you're like maybe like it's three hilarious or four how small most. you are on the screen yeah. when that when that happens. But you, you have full like it still feels like you have full control of Link and then you have like I love how they have like a little uh, avatar picture of Link's face with like yeah, pointing yeah. at the little dot. Like, yeah, this is Link. And you can still kind of do like your your role move to go a little bit quicker. And it's just the seamless uh, inclusion of like these little holes. Like you always see like these little doors on on uh, buildings and, and yeah. you know right away it's like, okay, Somewhere in the vicinity of this area, clearly there is, you know, this jar to turn you small. Yeah, There's, exactly. You're, you you kind of start looking for it, right? When you see yeah. the, the the small doors or the small mouse hut holes. or, yeah, they, they, they do. They do look like mouse holes or, or you see yeah. like um, a vine uh, climbing down off of somewhere. You you, you do start your, your brain kind of starts thinking, OK, well, at some point I am going to uh, go to Picori size here and I need to be looking for when that's going to happen or think about, you know, what. what Maybe, that I need to come back here at some point, right? If I if I'm not doing that right away, maybe I'll maybe I'll do it later in the game. So it, that's one of the ways I guess that the game kind of signposts you or reminds you, like you know, pay attention here or kind of like take a kind of take a photograph in your memory of this area because you're gonna need to revisit it at some point. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what you think of the other signature mechanic, which I, I I'm kind of mixed feelings about, which is the like so. When you first meet the Bakori, they explain they fix, they send you off to fix the sword, so you you, yep. you have your sword fixed. But then there's, um, oh man, I'm trying, I'm blanking on. There, there's actual items that you're supposed to find. Oh, the elements. There's like elements that mm. you're supposed to find. Like, so you you go to each dungeon and you defeat the boss at the end of the dungeon, and then you'll get an element, and then you can go back to Hyrule Castle, and in the basement there's kind of a pedestal where you can put the sword and then the element will charge it. Yeah. And um, when you first do it, it gives Link the ability to duplicate himself on these specific squares. Mm -hmm. 
so you go and you charge your sword and then, uh, you know, you stand on one square and then you stand on another square and then like a little shadow or, or like kind of translucent link appears right beside you and then mirrors everything that you do. And throughout the game, there's different things that it's used for. Like uh, there's blocks that are too big that you need to have multiple links to push. Late in the game, they, they kind of really... Maybe it's just the late game part because it feels like they really lean into it when you get up to four links and the end bosses are like very dependent upon <laughs> mastering the ability to control four links at the same time. <laughs> I guess, I guess maybe that's what it was like I, as a puzzle mechanic, I didn't mind it where it's like, you know, here, here's these squares and you got to figure out, or, or sometimes they'll give you like multiple squares and you'll have to figure out which squares you need to stand on in order to kind of get link around obstacles to the point yeah, where yeah. you need to use them sort of thing. And maybe my biggest beef was just in like the, the, the end boss where it's like you're, you're having to, you know, turn into the four links and then you need to dodge projectiles. Like you, you can't even, you can't let any of the translucent ones get hit. Like all four links yeah, have to dodge the, the projectiles and then all four links have to then ricochet attacks back at the boss. I, th- I, I, I gotta, I gotta be honest. Like I don't, I don't love when this comes up in games, <laughs> like where yeah. you create another version of yourself and you have to come, you have to control or pay attention to all of them. Like Mar- Mario did it in 3d world with the cherries. Right. And I think that's the hardest yeah. in, in a 3d space trying to com- control multiple Mario's is just really, really tough. And I, I was thinking in this game, when it appears early on, I always forgot about it. I always forgot about it as a mechanic. And obviously it becomes a little bit more uh, pronounced or used, I guess, later on uh, after you get, you know, uh, take us three or three or more of the elements by that, by that stage in the game, you're doing, you're doing this mechanic a little bit more, but I'm like, you know, if I want to play four swords, I'll play four swords. You know, just let me use one link in this game. You know, yeah. we don't need it. We don't need another callback to a previous Zelda game necessarily, uh, or, or at least that 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 part of it. Yeah, I, I I didn't love it. I think you. I think this game does try to. In, in probably it's probably the double edged sword of the game is that it tries to do too much. Right? It does. It throws in a lot of different currencies to collect. It throws in um, a lot of different mechanics. And you, yes, you have all your your items, but in addition to your items, you have all these other powers and things that you need to kind of pay attention to or, or, or use to solve puzzles or to advance the game. So it's, it's maybe a little bit, it's not, it's not like overly simple or something like that, but there is uh, a lot of different things you can do to, uh, to solve a situation. And I, I wonder if it's a little bit too much. Yeah. I felt like they, they had the right, mix of it at the beginning but then yeah. they just they just it went too far into it by the end um it's funny that you mentioned the currency because that's my biggest beef yeah. of this game yeah. i think for a lot is of the kinstones i'm like oh my god <laughs> like so the there's this uh, setup in the game where you'll collect these uh they're called kinstones and i guess the best way to to describe it is that there's it's like medallions where it's like this coin and it's been split in two in, in some way, like if someone kind of snapped it, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so you're collecting the left side of all these medallions. And as far as I can tell, they're random, but maybe there's specific ones in specific chests or something like that. But I think some of them are random and some aren't. Maybe like the green ones you pick up in the overworld are obviously random. But I don't know if I don't know, like the, there's one. Isn't there one quest where you need to collect golden ones to yeah, in the swamp? Yeah, so right? those those are specific obviously to the quest. Specific. Like you have to do those ones because um, to gain access to the wind uh, dungeon, you have to collect these gold medallions and then you have to trade them with the Pecori that are there. Yeah. Or not the Bakuri, they're they're the, the wind people. I can't remember right. what it's called, but and you have to, yeah, you have to combine them to because they're something's broken. They have to unlock this wind tunnel that sends you up to where they are or whatever. But but yeah, there's green. I can't remember if there's blue, but there's there's green and red for sure. Yeah, there are blue as well. And uh, you yeah, might be right. I think they think they other than those golden ones, I think they might all be random. But you do you do find maybe more important ones in chests and dungeons or as rewards for things, right? So I don't know. Yeah. How, the, how that's determined. Like maybe you'll always get a red one in this dungeon, but that red one might be, uh, you know, for, for a different person in the overworld, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. And and so the overworld people have specific instones though, because they, so, and basically, you, you just, if you see someone in the overworld, you just want to hit L to see if they 
Just they check. have a tombstone yeah. to check. And so they unlock rewards, I guess. Like, so, you know, you'll see, you can go in Hyrule Town and you can, you, you'll meet someone and they're like, oh, I have this, this kinstone. And then you, you have to look in your inventory and see, okay, well, do I have the match for that? So you, you flip through and you could have like 15 different kinstones in your inventory. So you're kind of shoot, you'll go to the color and then you'll go to the, you'll look at the design and you'll be like, okay, do I have one or whatever? And then if it does match, It'll unlock something on the map, like maybe a tree will open up a door or some of them have like there's doors protected by vines and the vines will disappear or, or a hole open in the ground. Or sometimes mm. it actually spawns an enemy that that gives you a good reward or whatever. And I, I can the one thing I appreciate is that it puts it on the map and it stays there so that you'll know yes, yes, like if you want to nice. look later on, like you don't have to do it in, in the worry that you might forget about it. Like it is there. But it's like, it just could be just random. Like you'll be in Hyrule Town and then it'll just open something somewhere in the like way off and out of your way. And you're like, ah, oh, it's like, I already did that dungeon. I don't know if I need to go back there. Now I got to drag my, my uh, rump all the way back there for, mm-hmm. you know, it might, some t- I think a lot of times there'll be like a heart piece or whatever uh, that you can unlock. But at least a heart piece is worth going back for. But if it's like seashells or rupees, like especially yeah. in this game, rupees, like a, they're not super valuable. There's not a ton of stuff to buy. And B, like if you already have like a high amount and you don't have the a, a bigger size wallet, you, you just you just be wasting them anyways. Right. So it, yeah. it's the funny thing about uh, having another currency in this game. It kind of maybe devalues the other currencies. Right. And so you have having three currencies in this game, I think, is too much for what you can use them for right like so this so yeah the kinstones i think uh, in you know we aren't the only people to have a uh, have qualms about that system i think i think it it i think it's well meaning but i think the execution just didn't quite work out I, I like the idea of you know talking to people and opening up little little dungeon areas or little little spaces where there's treasure but it's it's weird to find a treasure chest that has a kinstone and that's just going to lead you to another chest. Like, why not just give me the rupees at the beginning then? Like, what, what, what's, <laughs> yeah. what, to what purpose does this serve other than just kind of busy work, right? Yeah. And then the seashells, like, you're, you're literally just using this one currency for, for buying these figurines. And I've never really understood, like, kind of having a ton of collectibles in a, in a Zelda game already. Like, you spend the whole game collecting stuff. Like, why do you need to also spend, like, another, an extra currency to collect another thing? that you can't really show people, right? Like there's no, yeah. there's no <laughs> online functionality. It's not like, you know, collecting trophies in a PlayStation game or Xbox achievements. And you know, you're kind of showing that off somewhere. Like this is literally a single player game that you're not really, you're not necessarily going to show with other people. Uh, I don't think there's any online functionality or anything like that to, to this game that it ever had. Uh, so no. collecting a hundred plus of these statues. And I think, I think at some point you can unlock like a sound test or whatever. And that's, that's cool. But, yeah, I, I just find another it's another collectible uh, thing that doesn't really fit to me. Yeah, I, I was reading it up because uh, there's uh, I guess there's um, 136 of these figurines. Yeah, that's, nuts. that's just crazy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if you get 130 of them, you get you get access to the music house. Yeah. Which yeah. I guess has a piece of heart rupees in the phonograph. And the, yeah, the phonograph is like the, the sound that's thing. The sound test, right. Yeah. But then I just and but the the way that it works too is that the figurines are random. Um, it's funny because I, I I've been playing Danganronpa, mm-hmm. and yes. and it this they must have got it from this because it's well I guess it's kind of gotcha anyway so it's like yeah probably it's just a classic gotcha okay. yeah because it's like well you know you start off with a hundred percent chance of of getting a, a figurine that you don't have before and then every time you you get a you go in like you can give one seashell and you get a spin. And and then you could keep doing it, but eventually it gets to the point where the the odds of getting one you don't have go lower and lower. But if you oh, yeah. give more seashells for that one roll, they increase the odds that you'll that you'll uh, get a new figurine. So there's like this this uh, motivation to to spend higher more seashells to get, for better guarantee yeah, to of make things. to make sure you get a to get a new one yeah and then i'm thinking like how many friggin' times am i gonna have to spin this thing to get 130 figurines i'm like no thanks i did and I again did like three and then i was good what's the point of having duplicates like this is a single player zelda game like what, what yeah you cannot i don't think you i don't know if you get any like rupees or anything for them or or, or some kind of other currency for for getting the duplicates maybe you do i, I don't remember but 
again, it's just just one of those things that kind of just turns me off of in, in a Zelda game. Like, why having a gacha mechanic when, again, you spend the whole game collecting things? Like, I don't need to collect a third thing, <laughs> third thing, and then and then the fact that like I might spend those seashells and and get not get something new that I need for my collection is just kind of disheartening. So. You know, kudos to you if you're you're a completionist and you have to have to see uh, see the game to 100 percent and you have to collect all these statues, you know, but it just just never really a, th- a part of the the experience that I, I would gravitate towards. Yeah, I don't even understand. Like by 2005, I don't I guess they were still padding out. Game game times at that point, I suppose. I mean, we're still seeing it today, right? Like you, you mentioned, yeah. Danganronpa. I mean, that's not the only one. There are, are modern games I can't think of uh, at you know seven or eight in the morning over here, uh, having just woken <laughs> up. But uh, other games do this too, like ways. But again, it, I was going to say like Smash Bros with like uh, trophies and stuff like that. But if if it's tied to uh, again an online achievement like 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 a modern PlayStation or Xbox game, I'm mo- I'm more fine with that because then there, there there's a way of kind of showing off that you've done something, or you know it's not tied to any meaningful gameplay. Like you don't have to do this. Like it's very much an extra thing. And sure, it, it's an extra thing here as well. But when you're constantly getting seashells as a reward, you feel like you want to spend them. Or, or and, and if you don't, they're just useless, right? So. I guess yeah. that's the tricky part for me is that it's a, an extra currency that only goes towards one thing. And, and again, we're nitpicking. This is a fun game, but yeah. uh, you know, we're when we're doing a spoiler cast, we're allowed to you know <laughs> dive into the things that we don't like about the game too. So yeah, I think we we both did quite like this game a lot. But yeah, the seashells, I just the kind of kind of meaningless to me. Yeah, I guess I guess I I do want to end on a positive note before we wrap up. So I'll mm-hmm. I'll just kind of generally talk about the like to me that this is kind of like uh, classic pure Zelda where it's like it, it just feels good. Like Link's movements are great. The dungeons are designed well. It, you've got like that classic formula of like you see this map. Like I said, it's not a huge map, but you know it's it's got the classic. Uh, you can't get to this section until you've received this item. Mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, kind of unlocks a path to go forward. I think uh, it, like it has lots of charm. Like there's funny, funny jokes throughout the game. Like there's when at first when Zelda and Link are going up to the castle, there's a funny joke about the 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 monster that spits the nuts and and Zelda goes. I can't remember the exact wording, but it was something to the effect of like being afraid of his nuts. Yeah, nice. And and. It's, it just like you know lots of little things like that it just if you know link to the past is one of my favorite zelda games and and to me this is kind of like what i'd be looking for in a 2d zelda even if they you know went back to making them today where it's just like this is this is what i'm looking for like a Mm -hmm. a fun game where you're playing as link you get like a bunch of neat abilities uh, maybe something that we haven't seen like you know a little mechanic we haven't seen in a previous game uh you know the combat's fair uh, I, I know it's funny playing Link's Awakening. One of one of my beefs is uh, right now is a lot of the uh, bosses have like a specific thing that you have to do to defeat them. And I don't exactly remember uh, what it is for some of them because it's been mm-hmm. so long. And I'm sitting there thinking like, you know, how many times do I have to die trying out different weapons to see which which is the weapon I'm supposed to use or whatever to, to defeat this thing? I, I never really came across that here in Minish Cap. Like no. it, everything's pretty straightforward. Like the, you know, the item that you got is probably going to be useful for the dungeon. Yeah. Just go back to the, the item or the, the last two items you got. Yeah. Those are the ones you're going to use, <laughs> right? Like I think about the, um, he looks a little bit like a, t- I mean, it's a, it's a boss with giant hands and you got to shoot the hands. Like, you know, stop me if you've seen this game, this boss in a video game before, right? One yeah. of the most overused kind of bosses that, uh, that we see in all different kinds of games. But I actually do like that one here because I, I think it's a, it's a fun use of the shrinking mechanic actually during a boss fight, right? Where you got to knock down the hands, use the bow and arrow, I guess, to shoot the eyeballs out of the hands. Uh, and then once the enemies, uh, once the boss is kind of stunned, you you shrink down to to, to Corey's size, and you you go inside. You start striking, uh, like uh, I guess part of his his insides, right? And then, and then yeah. sometimes you have to like dig your way around to find out which which part of the uh, inside mechanics you have to you have to destroy. Uh, I, I just think that it's just good classic Zelda boss fights, and uh, the yeah the way they use the uh, the new items that you've picked up, like it's all very fun. Like it's it's just 
such a solid experience. I think holds up really well today. I think that's maybe the surprising thing is that, you know, a 20 year old game, 20 year old games don't always hold up. And, you know, we've played our share of those. But I think this is not only a Zelda experience that holds up, but just a, a video game that you could very easily play uh, in 2023. Or uh, I'm going to keep saying 2023, even though it's 2024 now. <laughs> Happy New Year, everybody. Yeah. That you, you can still very much get into this one. It's it's very approachable still. Oh, yeah. And the, I and the dungeons I love, like they were, were uh, fun to explore. Uh, e- e- I, not easy to traverse. Like you, you had to put no, a little no, thought into some of them, which was nice. Like you said, I think my favorite dungeon might have been the one with uh, the mine carts mm-hmm. just because of the fun. Like you're zooming through a bunch of rooms and you can kind of see where you need to go. But then you could see that there's like corridors. So it yep, had a yep. little bit of everything in that in that particular dungeon. So. Yeah, I just think. Uh, you know, if we're talking about like yeah, some kind of like Zelda ranking or whatever, like I'd probably mm-hmm. put Minish Cat pretty high on there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, Zelda's funny. Like, I feel like it's it's a series where when you start ranking them, there's there's always a recency bias. Like, which one have you played more recently? And you're going to put that one higher. I, I, I agree. Like, after, you know, diving back into this game, like I, I, I didn't play this at launch. I originally beat it like on a, when I was on a cruise ship, actually. I, you know, me being like a little bit of a homebody and an introvert, like not necessarily wanting to, you know, go and socialize and do all the things on a cruise ship. I'm like, oh, I'll just boot up the Minish Cap. And I, I think I was playing my ambassador version uh, on the 3DS, uh, which I which I still treasure to this day, uh, having those ambassador games. But yeah, when I first beat, I'm like, wow, like, how did I how did it take me this long to play Minish Cap? It's so good. Uh, and then, yeah, revisiting it now, I'm still I'm still thinking like this is probably a uh, a top five Zelda game for me. And it, it, it gets harder to say that as new new Zelda games come out, like Breath of the Wild obviously has to be on that list for me, too. But, you know, I, I think you I, you and I were suckers for for 2D Zeldas and maybe 2D games in general. Uh, and this is a, a very, very solid one of that. I, I like the I like the loop. I like the I like the loop of like go to town and then go to a new area you know, f- complete the new area, presumably with a new power that you've just picked up or a new item or a new mechanic, and then and then open up the dungeon and then do the do the dungeon, kind of do it all over again. Like it's it's a it's a very good 2D Zelda-ish loop where you're kind of just going through that three or four times before you get to the end. And uh, in the middle, the, the town is very vibrant. Like there's a lot of like kind of neat characters to talk to and see. Like it, it feels it's a game where the center of the map feels very full of life. Um, and so it's always kind of refreshing to go back into town. And maybe you again, you maybe you have some new power, new ability that lets you explore a little bit more of it. Maybe a store or a, an area has opened up that wasn't open before just based on advancing the story. Like it's 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 a nice area to kind of go and relax in after the the trickiness, the challenge of a dungeon uh, to go back to Hyrule Town afterwards and just kind of chill out for a little bit and you know maybe pick up some new items or get another heart container or something like that. Like it, it always feels it's always a nice kind of come down after the, uh, the the trickier parts of the game. So I think that that's a part of this that I really do like. I think it's one of the better central towns of a Zelda game, if I can say like there it's it. I mean, I know there's really only the only only the one town area, unless you include like the uh, Pecori village in the bottom right corner. But like this is the, the central hub and um, mm-hmm. I think it's a it's a um, just a just an effective one uh, for kind of grounding and centering the game. Yeah. And one of the things that's too bad, it's funny that you bring up the ambassadors uh, game. You have to have the cart to play it now. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. every, everywhere that it was available is gone. Like, well, first of all, the you, for the ambassadors, the yeah, unless you bought the 3ds at launch, the, you you weren't you can't get, get in there. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, I mean, again, the fact that they never had GBA games on on 3ds was a, a travesty. I, I can't believe yeah. it. Didn't, I, I mean, I thought for sure after the ambassador program came out, like we were going to get GBA games. Like that, that felt like the. Now, you know, the window into that future possibility. But the fact that it never materialized was kind of crazy. So uh, the, the original launch 3DS had GBA games, 10 of them. But by the end, the, the 2DS XL never got them. Like, it's, it's a weird, yeah. weird thing that took place there. Well, and then the only other place you could have got the GBA game was on the Wii Virtual Console, which is now Toast. Wii or Wii U? Wii U, sorry. Wii U. Yeah, Wii U. the Wii U yeah. had cheap games, which is, again, a, 
I, I, I don't know if I ever played this on the on the tablet screen, but it would be a good a good game to play on the Wii U, Wii U uh, tablet handheld. Yeah. Yeah, it would probably look pretty good. Like that's yeah. the, that's the, the one of the biggest takeaways for me is just like, man, I I, I was not expecting a GBA game to look this good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the, I know. I have some fun. A little bit of fun is for the Wii U tablet just because I played a lot of games in bed with like the Wii U console set up behind me, like in, in a room behind me and then playing in bed with the bed, kind of head of the bed, <laughs> yeah. sharing that wall with the TV and where the Wii U console was set up. I played Mario 64 like that. Uh, I played Metroid Fusion, I think Zero Mission as well. Like I do have some fondness for that. I mean, I, I probably owned Minish Cap and maybe played a little bit there as well. But yeah. Yeah, no, and then and then now, of course, it's on the Switch, right? The and and that, and that might be the best way to play it now if you if you don't have access to the original cart because it's got the save states and uh, it, it does it does look and play well on Switch too. So Minish Cap is available on Switch. It is, yep, yeah. So oh, if you're, really? yeah, you have to be you have to own the expansion pass. So, so if you're if you have the NSO uh, like online service and then you get the expansion pass, which is a pretty good value, and I don't think it's that much more. I think it's like an extra thirty or forty bucks a year uh, extra. Uh, you get the the Mario Kart DLC, which is probably one of the biggest selling points of it. But yeah, you get GBA games as well. And Minish Cap was one of the the initial uh, kind of nine or six or nine games that came out to the service too. That that's where I was playing it. I was playing it on Switch on the on that service. So that that's probably the I guess the easiest version to people to get into. Yeah, I'm just looking at that list now. Super Mario yeah. Brothers three. Super, Super Mario Advance four. Super Mario Brothers three. Yeah, that's okay. a mouthful. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, oh, Superstar Saga, Mario Kart, WarriorWare. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't have the NSO anymore, so I didn't realize it was in there. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I thought. You know, I knew you were playing on the cartridge. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I don't really have a lot of my old uh, GBA cartridges, even though uh, it, it would be nice to hang on to a bunch of those, especially ones like Minish Cap and uh, the Fire Emblem games too. But. Yeah. yeah. So if you if you got a Switch and you have the expansion pass, like this this is a really good Zelda game to get into. If you haven't played a Zelda game in a while and you're just looking for like that classic experience, like Minish Cap kind of delivers that for sure. Yeah. While we wait for another 2D, hopefully one day. Yeah, it's probably going to take Capcom or or someone not Nintendo to make it because they have their hands full with whatever the follow up to Tears of the Kingdom is going to be. Like it just takes it takes them so long to make these these huge games, these huge console style games now that a 2D Zelda it almost falls into the lap or falls into the hands of indie developers now, like to, to make Zelda, yeah. these smaller Zelda type games. And, 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 you know, for the most part, we, we've seen, we've seen some good ones. Definitely like uh, Blossom Tales was, was a really good version of, of, of a Zelda game, uh 2D kind of Zelda game. And we've seen others as well, but there, there's something, you know, that can be missing from those, that kind of signature uh, Nintendo uh, or, or, uh, Zelda franchise touches that we we are really fond of. Uh, the, just the call again, the callbacks to older Zelda games. I think I I always love to see those uh, in in a in a later or more contemporary Zelda release. So, well, my yeah. fear too is is that um, that any future two D Zelda will be more like Link's Awakening on Switch, as it, where it's like I I. I I guess we're older, so maybe that's why we prefer the the pixel based two mm-hmm. D. Where yeah, I just I just like that style of game more than the uh, I don't even know what I would call the 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 Link's Awakening style like it's the remake yeah yeah like the remake it, it I just don't I don't find that as appealing as like the two the the pixel look like even something like um, Eastward mm, sure whereas like it's still pixely and but it's it's I don't know it's more of, it's hard to to describe it just seems a little more advanced pixels I guess than. Yeah, I mean, they, they've obviously like this, like, but I still prefer that over them. that kind of chibi look of the mm-hmm. Awakening remake. Yeah, and I don't know that the, if they do another remake, if Gretzo does another remake of the Zelda game, which which kind of makes sense. Like, I think that game sold pretty well, and I think it was received pretty well too. So it's surprising that you know maybe maybe they will do Minish Cap, or maybe they will do. What were the uh, one or both of the Oracles games? Apparently, th- there was a, mm. supposed to be a third Oracles game. It would be really cool to somehow unearth that. I don't know how far along it was in development, but that'd be really a neat uh, kind of throwback if they were if Gretzo was able to do that one. Yeah, I mean that, that our style I thought was fine. Like I I, I liked it, and uh, I think I probably still do prefer the original. You know, that, that's just that's just our uh our our, our, our <laughs> us, that's us showing yeah. our age i guess right like that we, yeah, we do we do like the older games but 
Yeah, yeah I, I, I do hope there's another 2D Zelda on the horizon. There's something kind of just magical about that that series and that perspective for us. And I, I can't, I can't always put in like 60 to 80 hours in a Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom. So having a having a tighter experience like Minish Cap, like and it, it is, it, you can beat this game in a handful of hours if you want to. Yeah, I think I did mine in about 10, I think. Yeah, it was like yeah. 8 to 10, something like that, which is kind mm-hmm. of, the, yeah, a, a really nice session. Like, it's long enough where you feel like you got, uh, you know, had a good time, but then you're mm-hmm. not, you're not, it's not getting stale. Or you don't, you not you don't feel like you're just spinning your wheels or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And how much, how much would you say of like the side stuff? You didn't, you, uh, you were, you weren't trying to find or collect everything because obviously that. No, I was drive, pretty much kind of mainlining kind of for the most part. Madness, trying to get all the heart pieces <laughs> yeah. and everything, right? No, so. no, I, I don't, uh, I, I probably only had, um, I had maybe two or three hearts past the first line. Like, I, yeah, sure. yeah and that's I all you need, right? Like, it's, yeah. I, I don't think it overall that it's a super difficult game. Um, I think the, the ending parts can be a little bit tricky, but, um, this is one among the harder Zelda games, I would say. Just have a fairy in a bottle and you're all right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. I think that'll take us to the end of our Minish Cap episode. It was nice to kind of uh, go back to uh, an older title. Like, yeah, I, I know we, we I think there were times uh, on the podcast where we tried to do like okay, every month we're going to do like one old game, one new game, you know, maybe one themed kind of episode and that quickly it falls apart when uh, new games are kind of just coming out every week and uh, yeah. we feel compelled to, to cover them because, because they're so, um, they're so interesting to us and they're, they're kind of in our wheelhouse too. Like again, the next 30 to 45 days, like it's three games that, you know, people doing this podcast are very interested in. So uh, you're going to be hearing about those games, but you know, when do we do have a spare minute or a few hours uh, and we can throw them into a, uh, a Game Boy Advance game or a Vita game or a PSP game like, uh, you know, we're still going to try to do that. So I, I, I haven't even got a chance to, but we'll, we'll probably just have to do an episode on it. But I have to talk about Game Pass at some point. Like I've been playing Game Pass every single night. Getting I got an Xbox uh, like just over, just around kind of Boxing Day around Christmas time. Um, and I I've been low key obsessed with it. Like I've been so <laughs> so into the expo uh, Xbox ecosystem. I've got the app on my phone. I'm tracking my achievements. I'm I'm collecting the Xbox points and hopefully redeem them for something down the line. But I'm I'm feeling like an Xbox, uh, an X boy, an X boy, uh, an, an Xbox, Xbox boy, uh, something like that. <laughs> Take your pick of moniker. That that's me right now in in Microsoft land. So. Yeah, it, it's it's funny to have all the platforms available. And now, you, again, it was already a wealth of riches before. Now it's just silly how you, you kind of have to hone in on one system at a time. Like, okay, I'm only going to play Xbox for the next two months. And now, but and now I've got the problem of like, okay, where am I going to play Infinite Wealth? You know, like maybe I have to uh, pick up the Xbox version just because I'm so comfortable playing Xbox right now. But mm. yeah. Have I, you played much Starfield? No, I haven't gotten into Starfield yet. So I, I've yeah. played, I've finished The Outer Worlds. I finished Like a Dragon Gaiden. I've, I've played Slay the Spire for the first time. It, it's been a great opportunity for me to A, finish games I was interested in or just try out games that people have been talking to me about for, for years. So I, I, can, I can see why all of these games are, are, are good and fun and for them to be on Game Pass is awesome. So oh, uh, uh, before we before we wrap up, I'll give yeah, you one yeah. Game Pass game that you might not have played sure, yet that sure, you should try. Juson. Uh, I haven't played it myself. Oh, the climbing game. I've the heard climbing of it. game. It yeah. looks pretty neat. OK, OK. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll check that. I, I do. What, maybe maybe in the next few weeks we'll do like a Game Pass, like diving into the Game Pass uh, kind of uh catalog or something like that that kind of episode where we can just talk about random game pass games i'd, I'd like to do yeah. something like that so sounds yeah, good so stay tuned uh and it, you know it's funny i had i had a series s before and i was just like ah, i'm not super into this but now that i've got an x and everything's like fast and snappy and looks great i'm like oh this is what i really wanted <laughs> like i really yeah. wanted to have like the you, you don't can't compromise have, like, a, that's that's no, the you lesson can't. learned <laughs> you can't have a ps5 downstairs and then oh you know uh, the xbox series s like i i, I don't i don't want that because i always just choose the ps5 you yeah. know so but have the the both of the two powerful versions I'm like okay now I'm, I'm content here and now i can just settle down and just enjoy it so yeah, so more but more to come on that. Uh, but yeah, thanks everybody for joining us for uh, this Minish Cap episode. If you want to hear more classic game episodes this year, you know, please let us know. Uh, David at thethirstymage.com. You can send an email. You can find us on 
uh, social media, you know, at, at wristman64 on Twitter slash X. Um, you know, re- reach out, you know, or even just comments on the podcast episodes. I, I think Spotify, you can ask questions. We have a Discord channel for the Thirsty Mage. You know, hop on, you know, let us know if there's a, a classic game you'd like us to talk about this year. Because it does feel like another year where we're going to get bogged down with with new, you know, hot releases and <laughs> our, our plans to tackle the backlog or at least and certainly to do episodes on the backlog uh, kind of quickly fall by the wayside. But we don't want them to if, if people want to hear those. So please let us know. Yeah, that'll, that'll take us to the end here. Thanks for everybody for listening. Hope you have a great week ahead and we'll see you next time on the first page. Bye for now. Bye.